Hi there, folks, and welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajinam, again. I hope you're feeling well and refreshed and that things have returned to some semblance of normality, at least, wherever you're tuning in from. Here in Japan, as I've mentioned last time, things are kind of going back to normal. Schools have opened again in most parts of the country. Um, as have shopping centers and most other businesses. However, we've already seen a slight jump, at least, in infection numbers, as was to be expected, including a few um, clusters in Tokyo, Kitakyushu, which is a nearby city here in Fukuoka Prefecture, and a few other spots. Um, here in Fukuoka City, schools have decided to slightly reduce their operating hours again as a result. And we're still advised to avoid crowded and closed spaces if we can at all. And of course, to avoid close contact of any kind. Bit difficult to do if you're uh, commuting to work in a crowded Japanese train, but whatever. Anyway, we're still vigilant, as you should all be, of course, and hoping for the best. Not much to do, really, except keep our eyes open and again, remain vigilant. Now, one important housekeeping item before we dive right into it. You may have noticed that our theme music has changed a month or so ago. And while the music is distributed uh, freely for use for any purpose, or at least that's what the composer noted when he uploaded it to the music distribution website that I've downloaded it from, we, of course, want to credit him and maybe to hear a bit more about him so we can at least offer him some publicity in exchange for using his um, lovely intellectual property. Um, however, he seems to have disappeared off the face of the planet, or at least he hasn't been responding um, to our inquiries uh, through that music download center, as well as through his record label contact form, nor has he responded to my Twitter mention and message to him, um, which was the other way he originally said he could be contacted. So I just thought I'll at least let you know who he is again. So our new theme music is by Kevin Hartnell of Overlook Hotel Records. And if you like it, there's plenty more where that came from. Look him up. You won't be disappointed. Okay, so for today's episode, if you've been tuning in for a while, you've probably heard us talk on quite a few occasions about holiday properties and more specifically ski properties, which are some of the more popular ones which can be bought fairly cheaply in Japan. You've probably also heard us speak about the option to lease um, properties for short periods of time, thereby making some extra money on them and also leaving them available for your own personal use. And that's possible as long as you make sure that you don't step on any toes in the process. And you've already probably heard us mention again and again that it can be quite challenging to handle the purchasing, management, and selling of properties in Japan if you're not here, uh, are not Japanese, or at least do not uh, are not fluent in the language uh, without local representation for various reasons. And you've obviously heard us mention time and time again that there are no limitations on foreigners buying property in Japan as opposed to the rest of the Asia-Pacific region. Now, all of these above topics are seemingly unrelated topics that can come into play in various scenarios and various aspects of the property purchase and ownership life cycle uh, for resident or, or even for non-resident foreigners here. And, and that's why I found the following business call that I had this week absolutely priceless because it just ties all of these issues together beautifully. And while it starts off sounding uh, like a bit of a horror story from the buyer's perspective, uh, fear not, there is a happy ending there. So bear with it to the very end. I won't say any more than that. I'll leave you uh, to enjoy it. I definitely love this call at least. And I will see you again on the other side. Okay, go for it. So let, tell me a little bit about yeah. um, your particular situation there. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, as you know, I've been working in Asia for the last few years. 
and um, the nature of my uh, the nature of my work visa uh, means that I was coming to Hong oh, sorry I was coming to Japan um, every three months or so yeah. for um, basically visa runs. And also, I come to Japan every year. I was coming to Japan every year. Um, you know, coming from Australia, I, I love the snow and, and you know skiing and snowboarding in Australia is a really big thing. So uh, you know, I was in Japan every year for a couple of months. Um, you know, during the Christmas New Year's for snowboarding. So, um, so I, I, I found out uh, that. There were properties available for purchase for, um, by overseas. You know, I could purchase properties in Japan, even though I, I'm not a resident in Japan. Yep. Um, and I don't have a Jumejo uh, Japanese uh, residency um, visa, but I could still purchase properties in Japan as an Australian citizen. Um, and then the price, the, you know, the prices of some of, of secondhand properties in um, Japan. It's it's like they'll cra- it's crazy. Honestly, it was it was crazy. So, um, I may I purchased a, a couple of uh, resort condos yep. at a ski resort in Japan, ski resort uh, area in Japan. Um, not not really as an investment. It's more of well, um, it was because of, I bought them because of the fact that I'm in Japan so often. And he, you know, gave me a place to stay, and also because uh, the the area I'm living in, the area I bought in, um, it has all the lifestyle um, amenities, you know, that I really love: skiing, onsen. It's a natural environment. It's safe. The food, the air, everything is great. So, you know, when I need to come to Japan on my visa runs, or or uh, when I have a break from work. It's, it's like the perfect place. Um, and then, of course, the uh, transport here was also very good. Is there so much, all, all um, factors combined. Is there much yeah. happening there in other seasons as well, or is it mostly a winter? Um, so the area I'm at uh, is Yuzawa. It's, it's a place called yep, yep. Uh, Ichigo no, Yuzawa, well. which is about um, an hour and a half by Shinkansen from Tokyo. Um, I, well, I've, so I've been here in summer and winter, um, in wintertime, yeah, it's, it's packed. Uh, lots of snowboarding, lots of skiing from generally from December until March. Right. Uh, March, April, there's even still snow. Um, in summertime, it's very, very different. Uh, it's, you could say the city is pretty, like the area is very, very quiet, except for the weekends. There seems to be a lot of people that come up here for um, hiking. Uh, you know, hiking. A lot of people come up here for uh, bicycle riding. Okay, like um, a day trip kind of thing. Yeah, sort of. Day, uh, yeah, day trips, weekend trips um, are quite popular. Of course, this year because of Corona, it's been very. They, you know, this, the town's pretty much shut down. But in you know, previously, like last summer, you know, uh, weekends were quite busy. Weekends in the spring and summer were quite uh, relatively busy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know, there's also like a. a Music festival here in the summer, um, and and uh, called Fuji Rock, which, and then the town is like packed out again for those three four days. Yep. And um, also, like during the summertime, there are a lot of fireworks going on. So, you know, winter time's like the main time, the main time when everyone comes up here. Well, the main time when most foreigners come up here for um, 
skiing and snowboarding. But during the summer and springtime, there seems to be a lot of um, you know local local Japanese people and families that come up here for um, hiking and and you know the weekend getaways. That's it's nice. It's really nice. We've yeah. got um, we've got customers who've purchased there, but they're um, I guess um, really wintertime tourists. So I don't really know much about the area in other seasons. So that's good to know. Yeah. Oh well, in my building. Well, actually, I've noticed. Yeah, in my building, in my area, there were a lot of foreigners um, that purchased um, apartments here. Um, most of them, though, most of them, though, are, are you know, family, fam, um, expat families that work in Tokyo. Um, uh, that they'll come up here for the weekend, or they come up here for winters. But they mainly work in Tokyo, and then they come up here with their families. Um, right. This is like their you know, family, um, secondary family home. Um, my understanding is that, you know, living in Tokyo, the, the, ho- the housing and um, everything in Tokyo is quite um, congested. So, you know, the escape is to come up here because the condos here are, are relatively are much larger than what you get in Tokyo. Yep. Um, like, um, you know, uh, the average size of apartments here are about um, 50 square meters, 50 square meters or so. Yeah. But most of the expats I know here who have families that purchased apartments here, which are about 70 square meters. And they have to sit, they have like pool, gym, onsen. So it's a really good place, um, you know, to, to live with a family basically. Okay, so, so you've purchased there and you've been using it just for your own purposes or have you been leasing it out as well? Yeah, um, so I purchased two um, apartments here, um, thinking thinking whether it would be possible, well, thinking that I, I would possibly uh, um, rent out one apartment um, during the winter time. You know, if I wanted to use the apartment in winter, which I did, um, but I also wanted to get some income to cover the um, relatively high management fees. However... However, the issue is that um, a lot of the buildings here, when you purchase the properties, they have in uh, as a clause of purchase, as a part of the uh, building property rule, that you can't short-term lease. Correct. <laughs> yeah, that's a big issue. Now, I didn't understand how serious and how difficult the situation is but there's a there was another um there was a japanese there was a japanese investor um who who purchased uh five or six properties in the same building and they you know they wanted to airbnb and they actually somehow got an airbnb permission they got oh sorry they got a hotel um permission yep and the condo board has now taken them to court (laughs) to fight that so well, the well, legislation. It's like a, it's a um, very serious thing. Yeah. The legislation changed in uh, mid two thousand eighteen. They've um, they've given building uh, management companies and the owners co-ops um, the authority to prohibit this. Yeah. So okay. even if somebody had a license, yeah, if somebody had a license, uh, even from before, the license might not be officially cancelled, but the building uh, yeah. management company can definitely tell them to stop. Yeah, which was I was surprised about that. You know, um, I was. To be honest, I, I was very surprised that, in a sense, the building co-op um, has a lot of power. 
and you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, uh, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. But seeing, wow, it's. And then I've gone to a few co-op meetings where um, a lot of a lot of the local Japanese they are very angry. Like they really do not want um, short-term leasing in resort condos. Yeah, they're ridiculous. Um, even, even though it's you know it's really affecting it really affects the property values, the resale values of, of these buildings. Oh, the whole economy um, of the town. I mean, these are tourist towns, right? Like the the idea yeah. of not allowing tourists to rent in the town is is just preposterous. But um, yeah, Japan's old-fashioned yeah. that way. I mean, I can understand. I'm, I can, I can, you know, being an owner here, I can understand from both perspectives. You know, having lots of. Um, like what they say, strange guests who no one knows anything about coming in and possibly damaging the property, you know, um, which all the owners then have to pay for repairs and everything. I can understand that. At the same time, wow, uh, it not you know, being in a resort town where the economy is primarily based on tourism and not being and you know, pretty much not having any short term leasing. Um, and the hotel, you know, the hotel options here are, are very limited yeah. as well. But uh, so I think that's why most of the people that come to my area, they are, you know, they're only here for a weekend. Luckily, the Shinkansen is very good. There's two Shinkansen here, so the transport here is very convenient and good. But um, yeah, uh, it's I was, I was surprised. I'll be honest with you, I was surprised. Um, the the stance that you know the. Um, sort of like, uh, may I say, civil war that's mm. going on in my building. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's, it, it, it's very, and it's, it's a very uh, cult, cultural thing as well. I think that, you know, the, in my building, is it's half owned by foreigners, half owned by local Japanese. I find that the foreigners are more open to, um, you know, short-term leasing, Airbnb, things like that. Yeah. Um, whereas the local... Um, the Japanese, and I can understand their position. I mean, you know, they bought they bought these properties during the bu- bubble era. You know, when the properties were super expensive. Um, obviously, you know, the foreigners are more open to um, uh, um, short term leasing for investment sake, whereas the original Japanese owners they're totally against it. And uh, I was, I was, the reason I'm really surprised is during the um, you know, the uh, building condo meetings where they discuss these, the annual meeting. You know, Japan, Japanese and, J- and Japan are very polite and, and um, well-mannered. Wow, those meetings got very heated. Yeah. Lots of swearing. <laughs> I've never seen Japanese swearing and, <laughs> and telling, you know, the uh, the um, the other Japanese uh, Airbnb investor to literally um, swearing, get, the, get out of this building, get out of this town. It was really heated. <laughs> did you um, glad to be out of it? Did you not? Did <laughs> you not people. know this when you purchased? Was not that not a, me? Did you not know that about these restrictions when you purchased the properties? I I knew there were restrictions on Airbnb. I knew there were restrictions on Airbnb. Um, and to be honest, I'm not too fast because I wasn't really looking. I wasn't really looking to. Um, Get any money, get money, or make money from um, short, you know, Airbnb or things like that. What I was thinking, though, what I was thinking, though, is um, 
you know, when I have or when I have friends or business colleagues or or clients from, you know, Hong Kong, China, Asia, they love to come to Japan. And I was thinking at that time, well, you know, if I have two places, um, I have which which uh, I which happens, you know, I can um, short term lease to my friends, my colleagues, my you know um, other family members. Well, that should still be doable, no? Um, I mean, you can. That's what I thought. Not, not the I rent, thought. not the rent part. I mean, that would be between you and them. But I'm, I mean, yeah. you're allowed to let your friends and family stay there, right? Yes, I'm allowed to let my friends and family stay there. Um, but because of so, because of this court case that's now going on between the um, the building management and uh, you know the Airbnb guy. The, the police got involved. That's why I can't believe how serious it got. You know, the local police got involved and they're now in, doing an investigation of who's been renting, who hasn't been renting and sending, you know, warning notes and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I was, re- you know, uh, obviously if I have friends, obviously I ha- if I have friends or, cousins, you know, clients um, or family that stay here, I want them to, you know, if they're staying here for a while, I want them to be contributing to the electricity cost and things like that, right? Yeah, somebody uh, comes moment, knocking on their door to ask them what they're doing there and how they got there is not a, not pleasant, is it? Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. And, you know, if they get warning letters and they, you know, have to explain that they're, you know, my family or my friends, it's really difficult. You know, it's not, it's not ideal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, you know, I wasn't planning... I wasn't required, you know, I didn't really uh, purchase the property as an investment, as a, uh, a rental investment vehicle. Um, it was more for my own enjoyment uh, or, and my own use. I was just hoping, I was actually hoping in the future that would that position would change um, in order for the uh, my investment, you know, my property investment to, you know, have, uh, how do I put this, have more options in terms of um, capital appreciation and in terms of, you know, rental income. But to be honest, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think <laughs> so, no. I mean, even if it could just cover the monthly fees, that would be good. But um, we, we've seen yeah. it getting worse, not better, i got to be honest with you. It's getting worse and not better. You're totally right. Yeah. Um, you're totally right. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, if going back, I'm, I may have looked into this a bit more carefully. Probably I would have at, at that. Probably I would have just gotten one property if I knew knowing the situation would be uh, like this. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm still. I'm you know I'm still very glad that I. It's a wonderful place, and the price was amazing, um, and it's a wonderful building, and the community is really great. So I don't regret making the purchase. But mm, management fees can get be quite high. In these buildings, yeah, um, they're usually about two, two, three hundred bucks a month each, right? No, um, so my, I've, so I've got a fifty-six, uh, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, fifty square meter. That's about, yeah, that's about three hundred, three hundred US, yeah, three hundred US a month. And then the, I've got a seventy square meter, a larger seventy square meter. Oh, that okay. is, that's about six hundred. Oh wow! US a month. Oh my god! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They are oh, actually more about four five hundred. But when you add in, oh, so when you add in the, it's not only the management fee. You have the repair fund. You yeah. have to contribute to, yeah. which is quite expensive. And I've got to say, the electricity and water costs here are, are quite high. In the countryside, the they are. Yeah. 
Yeah, in the countryside. Yeah, mm. and I, I, I tell you, there's no insulation here. It's pretty poor. Mm. <laughs> so you pretty much, unless you get double glazing and stuff done, which I know a lot of people have, wow, their gas bills add up really quickly. I think I had one month, oh, one month my during the dead of winter, most people get a gas bill of about $200 US a month. Wow. So what's mm. the plan moving forward? What are you going to do with them? So it's still quite, I mean, moving forward, I might sell off the larger apartment. Yep. I might sell off the larger apartment, um, you know, because I can't, I really can't justify, oh, well, it's only, you know, it's only me, so I don't really need two apartments. Mm. Um, and keep the uh, smaller apartment just to enjoy myself, um, you know, for, again, when I need to do, when I need to um, come back into Japan for uh, during my visa runs or short uh, work breaks or when I come here for snowboarding. Um, so, yeah, I'll probably keep the smaller one. Also, the uh, smaller one, the building management fees, are, because they're charged by square footage, um, the building management fee is much more reasonable. Yeah. And repair fee is much more reasonable. And, you know, being one person, I don't use up the whole space of the larger apartment. Yeah. Um, and also the heating co the heating and electricity costs. Um, for example, I've got two two uh, inbuilt gas heaters on the larger room um, compared to one. So my, my gas bill in the larger room is basically doubled. Okay. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I'll, I'll probably keep the smaller one, but sell the larger one. At, um, right now it's not urgent. Um because, you know, right now we're in spring, summer. So I heard this is the, if I'm selling in spring, summer, it's really, the prices are significantly lower. And a lot of people, um, I've noticed in this area, wintertime, um, people don't really sell, uh, properties in winter. All the families use the, use the property during wintertime. And as soon as spring, summer comes, then they sell them off. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's also a bit of a problem for agents to bring people up there to have a look in the winter. Yeah. Um, just oh, a, really? Yeah, yeah, accessibility can sometimes be an issue. Not everybody can and uh, does have the... Because um, agents like to take people over by car, but if they don't have the facilities to drive yeah. around there, it's a bit more difficult. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, that, that, that's interesting. Because I, I have noticed... Uh, um, you know, because I, I talked to my agent that he, he he said that he mostly sells all his properties um, in the spring and summertime. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah, that's quite interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so how can we help? What what did you need? I, obviously, we can't help you with tenants. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Um, so uh, when I when I purchase the property. What the, you know, I thought I, you know, obviously I didn't, I, I tried to research as much as possible. Um, what I, well, one thing, the one thing I didn't take into account was how to manage the property post-purchase. What I mean by that is, um, you know, in Australia, in Hong Kong, in China, um, when we, you know, when you purchase a property, it's relatively simple to, you know, get utilities set up, um, to get a, a property agent to help manage your property and to get bills paid. What I didn't realize is 
in Japan, it's much more difficult. And yes. what I mean by that is, for example, um, my build, my monthly building management fee and repair fund contribution. In a, in a, in Australia, in Hong Kong, um, they'll send me an invoice, and I'll you know pay it by my card, or I'll do a bank transfer. They'll email you an invoice. You mean? And they'll email me. Yeah. yeah they'll email or mail me an invoice. No, that doesn't However, doesn't happen here. <laughs> It doesn't happen here. No. I, I never, to be honest, I never thought, I, it just didn't occur to me. I'm so sorry didn't. about this, mate. <laughs> yeah. And so for, for my building, they only, they only do direct debit for building management and... From a um, Japanese account. Repair yeah. Funds. Yeah, yeah, from a Japanese bank account. In order to get a Japanese bank account, I need to have a Japanese residency visa, do you mention? Yep. So even though I can purchase a property, so the, the irony is it's very easy to purchase a property here um, as a tourist, but it's very difficult to pay any of your bills. So Correct. that's my that, problem. I thought um, I would find a real estate agent yeah. who could, you know, you know, in other in Australia or wherever or Hong Kong, you just find a real estate agent and they'll handle it for you. Yeah. Most no. of the real estate agents that I talk to, they only handle properties in Tokyo, Osaka major cities yep. they don't deal in um countryside yep. in like so areas this, uh, which um, i was very surprised this yeah. gap that you run across um between the official country policy and the practical on the ground practices um mm. is exactly the reason that we've been in business <laughs> <laughs> yes um <clears throat> you're pretty much the only guys I, so i think that deal with this because um <clears throat> uh, I to be honest, I contacted a few. I've contacted a few um, property management companies in Tokyo, everywhere, Tokyo, Osaka, um, even um, uh, uh, Japanese companies with branch offices in Hong Kong. Yeah. No one. Pretty much, they've either they say they can't handle it, or they've referred me to you. To be honest, I knew, I knew about you from your blogs, which were, which were very useful. So when I was doing my research um, to purchase a property, um, I, you know, I was listening to your, to your uh, blogs. I should have listened more, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, so when, you know, so most of the property companies in Tokyo basically referred me to you um, to, you know, discuss how to handle handle the practicalities of owning a property in the in yeah. in, in Japan. So yeah, we can we can yeah. do all of this. Um, well, that's what we do for our clients on a regular basis. What we're going to oh, do is we're going to be um, you're going to give us authority to act in Japan on your behalf. Okay. And then we're going to be the contact person for the building management company and yep. the uh, tax department and anybody else that can't, you know, wrap their heads around uh, sending uh, statements overseas or receiving money from overseas. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Because uh, the issue, other issue I've been having is that um, when I contact, okay, so that's with the building management, when, with my utilities, my electricity and my gas. They don't send bills overseas. They don't even email bills. No. They send a card um, yep. that to my building, yep. which I then need to go to Seven Eleven. Um, they don't have online payment facilities, Correct. which is really <laughs> that's my head in. Um, so I have to go to Seven Eleven. The issue is, if I'm not in Japan, yeah, I can't pay for my gas. I can't pay for my electricity. I call them up. 
and it's very they have no one speaks Japanese and no one speaks English. I know I'm in Japan. I know I'm in Japan. I need to know Japanese, but it's very difficult as an English foreign speaker to totally have no English contacts with the utility company as well. Yeah, I can't even explain my situation. Because they don't speak English. Yeah, when, same, when you call up the helpline, yeah. Same goes for City Hall and the tax department in most places as well. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you if you could assist me in, yep. you yep. know, uh, handling the handling these sort of day to day issues, uh, I'd be very grateful. We can definitely do that. We uh, we charge okay. basically uh, one hour monthly fee for that. Okay. Yeah. No which worries. is a uh, two thousand eight hundred yen plus tax, so about thirty US. Okay, perfect, yeah. And then once a year, if you need us, I'm assuming you also need us to uh, receive and handle your property tax payments? Yep. So that's one extra hour once a year. Okay, yep, no worries. Um, just in, yeah. Sorry, okay. in, in your case, because we haven't actually handled the purchase and we're just taking over from whatever you've got in place there, we'll just need to charge for whatever it takes us to set up everything to go to us. Okay, perfect. Um, may I also ask, uh, this is in relation to property tax. Now, in my area, um, if you are, if you are, if you reside, or if you have, if you reside in the property, I think it's a minimum of like four or five months, or you, or one of the properties is regarded as your primary residence in Japan. Yeah. You, you're able, you're allowed um, a discount on the annual property tax. Uh, I believe. Uh, well, that discount um, is only because you're supposed to be paying municipal taxes, though. It's a credit for the municipal taxes that you pay. So, oh, okay. I don't think that's not gonna um, that's not gonna give you any uh, discount overall. If you do declare this to be a residence, and you'll start paying municipal yeah. taxes, though. Oh, okay, I understand. Okay, that's that's very good to know. You're very on the ball with this. Thank you. No, because yeah. all these all this information, to be honest, is very hard to find. <laughs> when they give you the um, property purchase contract, and they do go, I mean, I had a lawyer with me as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, they go through all the taxes that you'll need to pay, all the bills, you know, all the different um, building management fees, repair funds that you need to pay. Yeah. But they don't really go through the intricacies of this. I don't really even know if they know it. No one tells you this, like the day-to-day practicalities of owning the property in Japan. No one really, as a foreigner, no one really knows. Well, no one in really large goes part, this. in yeah. large part, it's true. They simply don't know it. It's um, unfortunately yeah. the case, and a lot of people have uh, local friends or acquaintances in Japan that can just be their contact person for that sort of thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's what I've been doing. Um, you know, I've been getting friends. You know, I was, I was using a company from Hong Kong. Yeah, and then I had a friend, hand, you know, hand, hand, handling. Well, the bills basically got sent to my friend, and then. Um, I would deposit money into his account and then, um, you know, the, the electricity, he would send it to me and then I'd give him money if I was in Japan to go to the 7-Eleven. Um, yeah, there's a limit to what you can house. ask friends to do though, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't want to be, you know, well, I want to have something because he might be, the, uh, he might be moving soon. Yeah. And now, you know, I have to find, I'm in a position where, well, I have to suddenly find a company to, or some other, another friend who can handle it, and you know, sometimes it's not easy. It's not easy yeah. um, in, in Japan, you know, to know fluent um, Japanese residents and fluent Japanese speakers and residents who are willing to help you out like this. 
Yeah, well, we we we're happy to um, give you a happy ending to the horror story there. <laughs> I um, <laughs> awesome, awesome. Thank you. When it's time to sell the properties as well, does your agent is your agent there able to help you with that? Does he speak English? This is the other issue. Um, the agent in my local area, um, his English is passable, but basically, when I was doing the property transaction, I had to hire. I basically had to hire a translator, oh, sorry, Interpreter. I had to hire an yeah. English-speaking lawyer yeah. to translate. Yeah. Because basically, the, I mean, his English is very basic. Yeah. Very basic. So um, in order to get anything done, I basically needed to have a translator. And that was what, you know, when I purchased a property here, that was one of the requirements. You know, it's, it's the other um, unusual aspect of purchasing a property out here was there were all these requirements that I needed to fulfill before they even considered putting in my application to purchase the property. Yeah. So, like, so there were all these requirements, such as I needed to have a local Japanese lawyer, no problem, but I also needed to have a local Japanese translator to translate everything for me, and I needed to have all my correspondence, all my email, everything translated in, into Japanese yep. before I replied. Um, so yeah, the uh, actual property purchase was not not the easiest mm. as a non-Japanese fluent speaker. <laughs> um, but luckily, you know, luckily I you know I had a, a English speaking lawyer yep. to help me. But yeah, the pretty much most in my in my time in Japan, I can you can pretty much assume no one speaks English. Um, in no companies, the agents, the utility company. The uh, judicial scrivener, mm. no one spoke English. I, you pretty much had to get your own. I had to get my own English um, speaking. I was very lucky to um, get my own English speaking lawyer. Okay, well, when it does that. come time to uh, sell one or both of them, just let us know because I think you'll find that having us represent you for that might be a bit cheaper yeah. than a lawyer. Perfect. Perfect. I, I'd really appreciate that. That's that's perfect. Thank you so much. No, no problem at all. So I guess the next stage would be I'll send you the engagement forms, which I'll need you to yep. um, have signed. And are you in Australia at the moment? No, uh, because of Corona, I'm in Japan. Oh, okay. Uh, so You're stuck. I'm, okay. I'm in Japan. Yeah, um, like right in the property now, um, which was a good thing because you know I'm actually um, you know these properties are like thirty years old. I'm actually I've renovated one. Of yeah. the units, and now I'm renovating the other one. Um, what they call reforming the other unit now. Okay, and you um, don't have uh, you don't have Japanese residency, so I'm assuming you don't have a Jumihio and the Hanko and all of that, right? Yeah, no, I don't. I, I had to go back to Australia to get a um, a notarized affidavit of signature, a yeah. notarized affidavit of signature, which has allowed me to use my signature in legal documents. Okay, so you, do um, you have that? That's a big help. Have you got that? I do. Okay. I do. Yeah, I've got that. I had that. I literally had to fly back to Australia to get it because the uh, the Australian consulate doesn't notarize yeah, they uh, stopped. any documents used in Japan. Yes, <laughs> yeah. they stopped doing that about a couple of years ago, I think. Oh, it's really difficult. <laughs> okay, so that, that affidavit will probably be what we need for you to be able to um, give us authority to act on your behalf. So if you could send me a scan of that one. And yep. I'll send you the forms that we need uh, signed, uh, and hopefully okay. your signature will be sufficient with that affidavit. Yep. And do you need to? Do you need copy? How do I get you copies of my, um, um, you know, property title documents and things like that? 
And we don't need the actual title. We will need the registration document and everything else that you've got from building management. So the building okay. yep. rules and regulations book and so forth. Yep. Okay. okay. Um, yep. So no either a scan of that or if you wish, I mean, we normally hold the original documents on behalf of our customers here too. So except the title deed, which would prefer not to hold on your behalf. true you can roll it back once you prove that it's been a fraud or uh, and you can pay money yeah. to have it reissued so it's not all that horrible but yes that's essentially yeah. that's true <laughs> but yeah aside well, um, yeah. aside from the title deed if you want us to just file your documents and keep them in the office and send them to you whenever yeah. you want us to we can do that as well and then in that case just send yeah. us a package with all of that okay it might be easier yep. to be honest it might be easier if you if you guys keep a copy of um, well no not a copy if you guys keep you know, the, those actual documents um, on your end. Yeah, uh, it'll just fine. make things a lot easier. And I think, to be honest, a lot safer. No problem. Just don't, don't put the title deed so, yeah. in there. We don't want that, okay? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No worries. So <laughs> you, you send me that affidavit. I'll send you the engagement forms and we'll take it from yep. there. Perfect. Thank you so much, Liv. I really appreciate your assistance and, and taking the time to um, go through this with me. And thank you so much. My pleasure. Have a good one. Have a great day. You yeah, too. have a great day. Great week ahead. Thanks. Thank you. So there you have it, all's well that ends well. Uh, we've happily stepped in and offered to rescue the book and things should be progressing a bit more smoothly for him uh, from now on. But I think it really helps explain the various pitfalls and challenges that many first-time buyers face when they first enter this market and why it's really important to um, A, do the proper research and B, um, just having someone who's strictly on your side helping you navigate all of these challenges and representing you in a professional capacity. And for all of the reasons you've just heard, I really don't need to add anything to that. So that's it from us for today, folks. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Do share it with your networks or anyone who might find it interesting. And as always, we would love it if you could take a moment of your time and leave us a star rating or even better, a short worded review in the iTunes store. We would love to hear what you think. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, from all of us here at NTI, have a great day or night or weekend. Yoshiku!